As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Plus minus. Tim Kawakami deserves all the credit. Plus minus. That is a word right there. <laughs> What'd you say? Plus minus. Yeah, like, like you, Marcus Thompson. Marcus always tell the truth. Plus minus. The only thing that I would say to Ethan Strauss is that he's a pretty damn good reporter. Um, he's well plus respected. Minus. I think he got the highest plus minus in the season in NBA history. Welcome to Warriors Plus Minus. We are back, back again, and guess what? All of us are available. None of us are absent because that's what we do. Ain't that right, Slater? We show up. There's a new rest policy. Yes, we, right. Non-national TV. This is non-national TV. So We're always national, yeah. sir. We're always <laughs> national. We Very are national true. TV. We've got the boss man, Tim Kawakami. We've got Ethan Strauss, our... our resident pot stirrer and the great anthony slater uh fellas camp has begun it is here i feel pretty good can i say something about these warriors fans they are excited i posted literally a probably 19 second clip of a scrimmage from the warriors first practice that included a little fast break, a little Ubre throws it over to Steph, throws it to Wiggins, a little, a little dunk, whatever. Kent Bazemore giving up the baseline. Yeah, you know, give up little... the baseline. Wanamaker can't get over from the weak side. Um, <laughs> break it down, break it down. Smiling each, spreading the floor for the starters. But my point is, the Warriors fans ate it up. They just they're they're really hyped. It is good to see that from a fan base that like they know they're. I assume maybe some of them are a little delusional. This is not going to end in a title this year, but there are people just excited to see hoops. I'm picturing Barney Gumbel just uh, licking booze off the ground is what I'm picturing. Oh, throw Jesus. that out there. But, I'm not even going to front, man. After that call yesterday, I couldn't believe we did a Zoom interview with Steph, and I walked away with not only the story that I was doing that day, but a story for the next day. I was like, what the heck is this? Like, this is crazy. I haven't felt that in a long time. Yeah, I got some. Remember how we used to have to do that in, like, the locker room in the playoffs? TK would say, hey, uh, yeah, you guys are writing today, and then you're going to write tomorrow, and you had to go get something extra. We haven't been in a position to do that in a long time. I felt like a real reporter yesterday. We have stuff. that we have, And, you know, and we can talk about the two absences. I mean, that's... And we have stuff, and th- then we have stuff with them when you know when, when Draymond and James Wiseman come back to practice, which probably won't be real soon. 
But everybody's been dying for this. If you like sports, if you like covering sports, watching sports, following sports, and you include the Warriors in that, this is the start of real stuff for us, for the Bay Area. 49ers is, is fine. absolutely, Giants absolutely, but given the, the tenor of the times, the Warriors have been the predominant team, and it's good to start talking about them. You know, like It's just a blur. that you know, They were 15-50, and 50, but there wasn't a lot other than D'Angelo Russell. Is he going to make it? Okay, he's not. Now it's, you know, now what do they do? But it's great to have stuff to talk about. Good to have Synergy Sports break down that 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 video, Slater. We we get we get some uh, touches on that one and, and this how many pick and roll action they went into. I the lineups were interesting. I thought <laughs> you know what? No Michael Mulder in there. I was like yeah, I was already well, upset. Like, come on, yeah. Steve. Come on. <laughs> oh no, Mulder. Break down the rotations out. of the. Mulder was out. on the Zoom yesterday. Mulder did the uh, Zoom. Okay, call. He, was, he was exhausted. Awesome. He's working IT for them already. I, I, I you know, <laughs> there might be booze on the floor. But it's a it's a it's an interesting flavor. I will say that it's intriguing. There's some hoppiness. You can't quite place it. It's not necessarily going to win any competitions. It's not some watered down PBR. I get it. I get where the fans are coming from. It's a situation where, as you say, Slater, we don't think they're going to win a championship. But there's a lot of intrigue on just what it's going to look like and and how good it's going to be. Tim referenced the fact that James Wiseman and Draymond Green were not at the initial practice and, I've been told, are unexpected to be at practice all week. Very unlikely to play in the preseason opener Saturday. Earliest they would likely be back in team activity would be next week. And remember, this thing is coming rapid. There's two preseason games next week, but there's not that many practices before. We are sitting here talking on Tuesday. The regular season opener in Brooklyn is two weeks from today. So it's coming up quick. And, you know, as Steve Kerr said in his press conference, you could try to put two and two together on why Draymond Green and James Wiseman aren't at practice. But what we can tell you for sure is that they are very likely out at least a week. And that is a problem, an early problem. Can I just say first that I love Steve Kerr? Can I, lo- I love how <laughs> Steve Kerr played that whole press conference. Like, <laughs> Steve Kerr is that dude. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. If you if you guys put two and two together, and we're not, he loves those situations. Those situations where he can't say what everybody's thinking, and we can't say what everybody's thinking. That's that's where he likes to. uh, That's his playground. But do you think he loves most that Ritter Raymond Ritter's behind the (laughs) laptop trembling? I Uh, wanted a video uh, of I wanted a video of Raymond on that. (laughs) Ritter looking up. No, Ritter reading no. HIPAA policy feverishly. No, but Ethan, Wiseman is the big deal, right? Right? You were going to say Wiseman is a big deal. Yeah, it's it's bad. It's not good. Um, it's disappointing. And as Slater said, that's a valuable beginning of training camp. You don't want to get off on the wrong foot, especially when the opener is a couple weeks from now and he's got no NBA experience. There was no summer league at all. I think that's a pretty big setback for him personally and for the Warriors if we are expecting him to fill the starting role quickly. Yeah, he's not going to start, right? I mean, at least to start the season. I don't think there's any way they can really jigger that in there. And, and you know, if Marquise Chris is playing well at all, and I think he's fine, then I think James Wiseman's timetable to become a starter has slowed down significantly. You know, it's only five days, but it's their only fi- it's their only training camp. And th- then those exhibition games start coming up. And remember last year, like, this is when Marquise Chris, oh, my God, Marquise Chris, he can play. Like, they decided that in about five days. My theory is they decided that DeAndre Russell wasn't really going to work in about five days. So as later, when he wrote that, I thought about it. Yeah, yeah, these are, it's just a week. It feels like nothing. But 
when you're trying to reformulate a team and reprogram, well, what is it, like five new guys to the rotation or whoever many it's going to be, these are important just to get a feel for it and to have, and, and Draymond not being there is less of a big a deal. Obviously, he's a veteran. He's been through this. But just to get him next to everybody for the first time, they're going to have to play it through the season. So I, I think we're looking at, you know, I don't know that they were going to have a fast start anyway, especially starting on the road like they are, but it might get really clunky early on and and they might have to work through it in the middle of the regular season as opposed to maybe much more of a finished product uh, by, by, say, the first month. I, I think they will not be a finished product by like until maybe mid-January, maybe later. The only way this is a problem for Draymond is if Draymond's just not yet in shape and he was relying on the first week to get in shape. Uh, that, that pushes his physical timeline back. We all understand mentally Draymond, you know, he's all the way there. He's, he's ready for the opener right now from a brain standpoint. That's the thing for Wiseman is like this is such a onboarding process that is being pushed back. And my main point that you guys have referenced is these five practices are like full go. Veterans are there. There's scrimmages. Everyone's engaged. The practices might go two and a half hours. There's a lot of liveliness in the gym and it's a welcome to the show type week. Whereas we also know what's a midseason practice like when we walk in there. Oh, Steph's over there getting treatment. You know, the, the, a couple young guys are doing one-on-one. Wiseman will be over there with, like, you know, Jaron Collins doing, like, jump hooks. Like, the, it's all individual work. It, it's on your own. It's, hey, sorry, you're a professional. Like, you're going to have to improve by yourself. This was the week you form as a team, and James Wiseman's doing that through Zoom, essentially. And, you know, how much individual work did he get before all this? And I, I know it's hard to say. We were counting. We were saying on the show. I mean, were like, you watching yeah, social yeah, media? Yeah. Did you see all that work yeah, he was doing? Yeah, yeah, You're right. He's done. He's done. He's done. Does he have workout equipment wherever he's living? A lot of those guys live in those apartments uh, around the Chase area. I'm not sure where Wiseman's at. He doesn't have a place yet, right? I mean, that's part of the, the, the initial process of and moving And gyms here. are closed. He's going to come back looking like the old Wiseman. I, I don't know what he's going to come back as. It's uh, it's tough. I very much don't worry about the physical aspect of Wiseman. I think he's going to come back, and in the gym, he's he will have seven alley-oop dunks in practice one if, if he's You don't, you don't you think know, he's going to come in it. looking like Brandon Wright? <laughs> he's <Yeah>. going <laughs> to... It's just more the comfort level, you, you know, it, particularly with just how condensed this preseason is. Usually training camps, what, like eight days, nine days, ten days of practice before you get one preseason game, and then it's like six preseason games, almost too many, right? By the end of the preseason, it's like, why are they still doing this? This is not what this preseason is going to be like, so... I'm not going to ready to say it ends the competition for starting center, but it very much makes Marquise Chris or Kavon Looney the favorite and Wiseman at the bottom of that three list. Unless I'd say the only way that changes is if he's ready to go next week and he's just awesome. And it's like, okay, we can't really ignore. I know this is day one, but he's the best center in the gym. But also chemistry is going to be important. This is not a thing where it's like, yo, let's find somebody to throw in because we're already set. Like part of what will make them good will be how they fit together and how they play together and how fast they can gel. Like, that's going to be a big deal. They're not going to overwhelm people with talent. So they got, like, it, it matters. It matters a lot. You can already see, like, him being in a game and not knowing where to go and everybody's trying to point him in the right direction. Like, you can you can see how this is playing out. These are the margins that will determine, in many ways, if John Hollinger is right in their 11 seed or if they're a 6 seed, right? It's like, it's all that little stuff. It won't be talent unless, like Slater says, we this dude is just next and he gets out dominant. There's nothing 
like there's nothing anybody can do about that, right? A, a little weak absence, two weak absence won't do that, won't do anything. But if he's just a rookie who's good with some potential, like yeah, it matter it matters that they've played with Marquise Chris uh, already. That like that type of stuff matters. That's why they aren't worried about the Draymond Green absence because like yo, we already got six, seven eight years of Draymond, so that's okay. But the Wiseman has played three games in what two years, so. I think this is a big deal, and I think this automatically makes him say, now we pump the brakes, <laughs> right? Like, Marquise Chris, you're the starter. Take your time. They didn't want a team with Draymond and Steph and Clay before he got hurt. Well, I guess Clay got hurt before they drafted Wiseman, but they just wouldn't have wanted anybody to think, okay, you're on par with those guys because that's not how this team works. And, okay, they did it with Durant, but that was a whole different thing. They, they, they just weren't going to do that, so I think they were ready, ready to – Make sure there wasn't this huge hype about him. And now that he's not going to be practicing for a week and going to miss at least the first exhibition game, yeah, I definitely can feel that. Can you just picture, like, he goes one way, Draymond one go the other way, and there's like a, a little bit of shouting going on on the court, like, you know, in his first two defensive uh, possessions. And I could, I mean, you could see that happening anyway. He's 19, but now for sure, you know, is he in drop coverage? Is he supposed to jump out oh, on the pick and roll? And we're going to hear it to, now. Yeah, yeah. With, oh, with, oh, yeah, we're going to absolutely no, hear it. With no fans, yeah. it's going to Ethan, you, you might be yelling at yourself down there, no knowing how this is going to go. So uh, I hope yeah, they let this us is, in. I, I can just see how that's going to work. And I don't think they want to put him out there right. I mean, what you know, put him out there against the Brooklyn Nets on TNT. You know, go switch out on Durant and don't. By the way, don't let him get by. I mean, I, I, I he might play eight minutes in the opener all against the second unit. Now, yep. Now he can match up. You match up against Jared Allen or DeAndre Jordan. You know, you know. They might be very soft with him on those first two mark because those are marquee national TV. People are, would be frothing to get a look at Wiseman, and if he struggles, you know, in those sparkling environments it would i think they want to avoid that so i could see him like them really giving him his first test like third game in the regular i think they go to like chicago and then detroit or something like that i felt like marcus had a good segue in there he mentioned hollinger yeah and, and, and yeah i was waiting for the segue but that was know, pretty good man no no i, I you didn't you didn't stick the, the landing though you didn't that no the, that was the lob that james wiseman's no no, no 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 you gotta shift to speaking of how do we do a podcast with zach harper and you don't know do no nah, i do i do no look lobs or you were supposed to catch you to dunk it and you just didn't do it speaking of it. hollinger he's got the warriors finishing 11th in the west and i owe you know john's a really sharp guy he is always on top of it. I don't agree with him on 11th, but I can see what he's saying. I can see that all the things we've been mentioning, I think we all think they'll probably finish higher than 11th, but Steph is going to be incredibly isolated on offense. We don't know if Ubre and Wiggins can do enough to take some of that heat off. We don't know what Draymond's going to come back like. We don't know where some of the other shooting is going to be. Some of the depth is, is, you know, let's see. I mean, I think it's better than last season would have to be, but we don't know. And if you say, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, you know, there's a lot of ways that that could go wrong other than Steph just go be incredible. And we all think that's possible, but it might not be on the 50% side. It might be lower, a little lower than that. Was he saying that, you know, they're worse than who? Dallas and Phoenix and, you know, like we could name the and teams. Portland not, and Portland, Utah. Yeah, and... yeah. Injuries have to be considered here because I think often when fans see these previews, people think of it like everybody's playing over 70 games. That's just how they think about it. And I think sometimes you got to look at a situation and go, it's really a coin flip as to whether Steph gets through the season swimmingly or it goes bad. And if it goes bad, this is not the kind of roster 
that can generate offense without Steph. Nobody makes a prediction based on that. Like you can't. But they should. But they there. should. I think it should be incorporated. So then, what can you actually predict? Well, if I LeBron think pulls is growing. Bit. You got to take off fifteen games in case LeBron pulls is growing. First of all, I think there's track record where LeBron tends to be healthier than than most. Except superstars. the year before, he pulled his groin and was out for the rest of the year. He did like pull it, his groin. It literally it happened. It. Yeah, <laughs> it's weird to keep saying pull pull his groin, but we we keep saying it. But I think with Steph, there is more of a track record of having injuries, and I think that you would assume he gets through the season, but it's not uncommon for him to have an absence. And you have to incorporate that if he has any kind of absence at all, there's no net to catch the trapeze artist. There's no, there, there just isn't the roster as I see it right now, unless somebody steps up. How are they going to score if Steph misses any time? How are they going to score when he's the on the bench? But then the prediction is Steph is going to miss time and they're going to finish 11th. It can't be... Uh, Steph might play 70 games and they might finish it. Like, it's like you're saying, yeah, Steph is not going to play the whole year and they're going to finish 11th. 72 game season. So, I mean, I think Ethan's made this point before. If Steph misses 15 games, which he has done at least three or four. What do they go before, in those 15 yeah, games? Yeah, that would be, and that's a massive chunk of the season. You know, it's, it's a big chunk in an 82 game season, in a 72 game season. And they go, what, two and 13, you know, I mean, that, that could be it right there. COVID-19 lingers out there to knock anybody out for two weeks. And and so that is a concern on like you lose your depth. You potentially lose Steph at some point, but on the same time, 48 guys across the league, the league announced have tested positive. There's going to be a lot of teams that might have to suffer through some really bad stretches this year. It's just going to be weird. I don't even know if every team's going to play the same amount of games. Like, you know, when we talk about differing swing factors this year, uh, that's one we can't really calculate in, but that's that's a weird one the Warriors are starting off on this big east coast trip there's a chance that if you don't have an east coast trip in the first half west coast teams don't play on the east coast in the second half right they, they could just chop off the schedule and say we are not going to have people traveling across the, across the coast you're just going to play in the west i kind of thought that was going to happen anyway i guess it's not at least in the first half i thought they were going to go like six games against the lakers and clippers and suns like don't even go to the east they might do that in the second half i mean they've, they've certainly left open that possibility but the warriors are getting their east you know they're, they're going to play in the east that's going to happen i think they wanted the brooklyn and the milwaukee game for sure that was going to happen so so they've got to get the Warriors out there for sure in the first half, and then they'll just make do in the second half. Whether that's good or bad for the Warriors, who knows? It's a, it's a bit of a strain just to go on the road to start. But, you know, maybe just get it out of the way, and that's it. And then they don't have to worry about it anymore. As a quick aside, as I, I'm, I'm going to be writing about it. National TV schedule is a little weird. A little weird, I have to say. Just first, odd it feels decisions. like it's all national TV games, right? Like It feels like yeah. there are a gazillion of them. Yeah, at 14 for the the Pelicans getting as many as the Warriors, the Celtics, any other team except for the Lakers, that raised my eyebrows and there's some pretty big eyebrows. That was that was very one odd. for Atlanta was weird to me too. Like yeah, just one yeah. for the Hawks was weird. Oh, trust me, I, t- I was talking yesterday with some Atlanta people. They're not happy about it. I wonder how much of this is is back ending. Like they got a second half they can put together. And they're seeing how everybody is. And and these national TV rules, like limiting how many games they can use, that, that might be out the window. They might just, just they might have no rules for scheduling. And if Atlanta's good, they just put them on a bunch. If the Warriors are still good, they'll put a, you know, like, I just think they're just leaving the second half to total improvisation. But I, I'm i surprised that Atlanta's only one game, too. But no, no question. I do think one of the things that was really interesting about Hollinger's analysis uh, that, you know, perhaps 
you know, in the Bay, I think people underestimate it. It's just how bad the Warriors were with Steph those first few games. And he might be putting too much on it, but I do think we act like it didn't happen. <laughs> right? Like, And it does add some uncertainty. But also at the same time, like this idea, I think a lot of people are basing everything on the old Warriors. And I think that's something that happens outside of the Bay Area, where it's like, oh, they're not a championship team anymore. They're done. Whereas I feel like in the Bay Area, we understand like that there was a time before the championship, <laughs> right? There was a there was a time they were a six seed and like we can envision that. But it feels like everybody outside are like, ah, it's over. They're not going to win a championship. So now they are awful, right? And there is the room for some middle ground that I think I think some people miss. One of the biggest differences between the biggest difference, in my opinion, between last season and that start, that one and three, one and four start, whatever it was. And this season is the wings where I remember going into last season's camp and Willie Colley Stein's out right away, which may forces them to put Marquise Chris on the roster and forces them to cut Alfonso McKinney. But even before they cut McKinney, I remember writing a story about how they may have just gone to the most loaded position, small forward position in NBA history, Kevin Durant backed up by Andre Iguodala to the thinnest ever. You had Alec Burks, who had injury troubles early. Glenn Robinson was literally the only healthy wing. And then Damian Lee was on a two-way. Those were their only three wings. And then now they have not now reverted back to Kevin Durant backed up by Andre Iguodala, but they have Andrew Wiggins and Kelly Oubre. And that is a much firmer middle ground than what they had going into the last season with Alec Burks, Glenn Robinson, Damian Lee. Yeah, when we all remember the Clippers game, I mean, that was horrendous. But I think that Oklahoma City game was unbelievably bad, right? That was the second game Slater was at. I was just, they had no chance to win that game. He had no chance to win that game. I just have this memory from that Clippers game of Slater and I driving across the Bay Bridge. And we had both seen the odds for that game. The Warriors were favored to win that game. And the whole time, I mean, we, we are ethically prevented from doing so, but we were just saying, man, lock, we should have just, we, we just put all our money, just all our money. What the hell was everybody thinking? That's insane. Yeah, it was like a pick em. It was like, who's going to win Clippers or Warriors? I just have this image of you two driving together like the opening montage of Full House now, just like smiling and listening to a song together, talking about gambling or something. Oh, no. <laughs> That's pretty, that's pretty I true. I don't know. You just said that, and I just it doesn't really flash that. For John Stamos and Bob Saget or something, and Ethan, Everywhere your Bob, Ethan, you your Bob Saget. That's for sure. There's a pick. But yes, wings are how you stay in those games. That's how you like if they're good. We'll see if they're good. But D'Angelo Russell is not how you stay in those games. It's tough-minded wings who scrap around, keep you in it defensively, maybe hit a shot or two. That's why I think of the Oklahoma City game. I they had nothing. I think Steph shot a lot and didn't make a lot. But yeah, but they had not, They couldn't. They couldn't stick to the wings. They couldn't play transition. They could. They just. They didn't have that two-way toughness. And we'll see if it's Ubre and Wiggins. But it's a lot better shot than what they had. D'Angelo Russell actually got ejected in that game. I remember. <laughs> Uh, it was very weird. It was second game, and he like got in the ref's face and got tossed at a time where I remember they were kind of mad at him because it was like, dude, they're so short-handed already, and you're just getting tossed. And then one thing I remember, like Stephen Adams had like 19 rebounds or something, and that was when we also learned not only did they have the wing trouble, the center spot was in chaos because Collie Stein, who was supposed to start, had the foot sprain. He's not even playing. That night before, Steve Kerr had come out and said, um, Kevon Looney has neuropathy. 
and we have no clue when he's going to be back. Like he's searching for answers. And then so suddenly it was like Marquise Chris, who was a camp invite, was their starter and Spellman. And, and Chris was talking that night about how, like, I play center, but there's different levels of center. Steven Adams is kind of a hard guy to move off the block. And I even still reference that back when we were talking about the need for Wiseman this summer, because it was like Marquise Chris is six foot nine. They don't have a actual center center. We can talk about the nightmare start and the fact that, you know, Wiseman and Green aren't there. But if those two are there, we can continue to talk about how this is a much deeper team than last year's team. I'm predicting right here a Kevon Looney renaissance. I'm predicting it. I'm 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 just I'm throwing it out there. Define his renaissance for you. Like what's his renaissance? Just, just play games. That, just that's be kind in of games. important. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm saying good rotation player. I'm saying what he was before this. I, I remember what happened, I think, is inextricably linked to how he got hurt in the finals and then there was just no rest or turnaround time to really improve the body. He's had a lot of time to heal. He looks to have been working on his shot. It looks pretty smooth, I guess. I think he wants to stretch the floor. He knows how to play. And suddenly you have this situation where Draymond isn't really into camp in the way that you would expect. And you've got Wiseman being out. There's a little bit of a loony lane. I'm just throwing it out there. I think people are burying loony too quickly. I can already one see, see that as a headline on the athletic Strauss quote, the loony lane <laughs> and why it'll <laughs> save the Warriors. The loony lane. <laughs> I'll get a memo about how it's not SEO friendly, by the way. Oh, so. yeah. Loony oh, not SEO oh, friendly. Oh, oh. For me, it was the Phoenix game. For me, that game when they were down, like, what was it, 40 in the first quarter? It Did was you even like... watch that game? I went you wandering around by the locker room <laughs> by that point. That game was over by the time I was wandering around, right? <laughs> that was one of the problems with Steph getting hurt. It was like, he probably should have been on the bench by that point. Yeah, I mean, they were down yeah, 30. It was, ooh, it was that over. Was a, it was, that first quarter was so bad. It was so bad, yeah. They looked bad, but you know what? In part, if we connect it all, it's connected to what Slater says they were missing. Just the absence of wings crushed them. They were worse than people knew. Hollinger's right to point that out, that it was even with Steph, they looked like garbage, but... I think that they've done some good work in addressing the reason for that. And so I'm not really at the 11th in the way that Hollinger is. I completely understand the argument. I do think that there should be some hedging according to Steph's health, but I like some of their roster moves. I like the idea of them being able to swarm and guard. And I like, as Slater was saying, their depth. So I, I think fringe playoffs. Are we all, are we all thinking fringe playoffs, lower seed? We will be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. 
If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Reddick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man of the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. So I have come to believe the big threshold, the big pivot point, and I mentioned this, we were just me and Marcus were just on that hoops at Jason Pod, but, but the sixth seed is so important this year because if you're seven, you have to be in a play-in tournament against 10 and nine and probably against a pretty good team, a Phoenix or somebody down there in the 10. And even if you win that play-in tournament, if the standings go as we predict, you're winning to get into the first round to face probably one of the LA teams who we expect to be one, two, Lakers, Clippers. And that's just trouble. That's just a, that's just a one-round disappointing you're out. If you even get past the play-in now that, that well, exists. Well, uh, the Clippers. I don't trust the Clippers to win Okay, the all right. Series. Well, we can get – I'm, I'm going to pick the Clippers to win the title, as I mentioned last week. But Whoa! To, to me, the sixth seed is you avoid the play-in and you might get Denver, Utah, Dallas. You know, the, that, is, that to me is toss-up range. I mean, we'll see how all these teams, you know, formulate. And we'll have probably different opinions on some of these teams. But I just think – to me, the, the sign of a successful season for the Warriors and what they should be aiming for is the six seed or obviously, you know, five or four is fine. But if it's below six seed, like that's dangerous. Yeah, I like them at the six. I mean, again, it's a lot of things have to roll their way, but some other teams might be a little shaky too. We don't know. We don't know if Phoenix can take. They are shaky. The yeah. They are shaky. Yeah. Right? Yeah, we don't, yeah, we don't know. Yeah, we don't They're know a lot shaky. of things. Uh, you're shaky. I'm shaky. Everybody's the world shaky. shaky right now. Everybody's 20, shaky. Right 2020 now. shaky. But and maybe we overestimate this in some way because we've seen it. We've seen Steph at his best lift everybody else up, and it didn't happen last season. But he was only played three, four games, and D'Angelo Russell was almost a, a weight on him. It was it didn't it was not somebody he could make better. And I think we believe that he can make Wiggins better, and I believe he certainly can make Ubre better. Uh, we'll see with Wiseman. We've seen it, and and maybe Steph, and maybe we're just saying, okay, we want to see if he's got one more season of this. Maybe that's it. Maybe two more seasons. But I think he does have it. There's certainly you know missing all but four games last season doesn't disprove anything. I think we've seen him do this in in a lot of ways over time, and less so in the Durant years, but we saw it before that. And I think he can make some of these guys pretty good. And and then if they're pretty good and he's really good, they can be a team, you know, in, in a regular 82-game season that could win 46, 47 games. In, 80, in 72 games, I don't know what the ratio back down to that is. But I, I think they could, like they could 42, they'd be that 41, Yeah, they could be that kind of team. Like a 42 and 30, something like that. Eh, I mean, that seems a little bit high, but 40 and 32 – Right in there, uh, I think they're that level of team. I, I do think if, if they get off, if they don't like crap out on this East Coast trip right off the bat, uh, I, I think you know they they get a couple early wins. They get some kind of momentum. They're not counting on Alec Burks and ISO to get them their key buckets. Uh, I, I think they can be a decent to solid to actually pretty good team. Dallas 
is the doppelganger, whatever you want to say, where Luka Doncic, Steph Curry, who's going to have a better season? And to me, they're singular forces offensively on their team somewhat. I think whoever has a better season has a better shot at the MVP and has a better shot at a higher seed. I would say most national NBA pundits right now would say Dallas. Doncic in Dallas. And that's where I think the Warriors can maybe surprise, is being better than a Dallas, being better than a Portland, who I think their offseason was a bit overrated. Beyond the two L.A. teams, and according to Ethan, only one of the L.A. teams. <laughs> yeah, what are you going to say? The Clippers are, are finished? Clippers out of the playoffs? Done. No, Done. no, he wants the Warriors <laughs> to face the Clippers. That's what he yeah, wants. Yeah, He's yeah. predicting an upset early. Look, 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 I'm not saying... I'm not saying that you want it. I'm not saying that you're delighted to play them. I am saying that maybe we wait for them to make the conference finals before we really pump them <laughs> up like that. That's that's all I'm saying. And I do think, I, hey, I love their roster. I thought they had the best roster last season. But now I do have some questions that if you don't really have a high-level point guard leading your attack and you are just counting on your wing strength and the chemistry is not great, I do think that there are a lot of questions surrounding the Clippers, and I don't look at them. I just don't look at them as the behemoth that I once did. I do look at it now as Lakers are in a tier of their own, and then it's everybody else. I think an embarrassed team is a dangerous team. I think they're going to take this season a lot more serious. Say Ibaka. I know you want to bring up Ibaka. Say I will get there. Um, <laughs> I, think, I think that you're somewhat underrating Luke Kennard because I think the entire world doesn't understand that Luke Kennard's actually a pretty solid player because he played in Detroit and nobody watched any of their games but I think he was like 15 points five assists can really shoot it from three like I think he helps them and then yeah I think Abaka's better than Montrezl Harrell do you guys disagree with me on that well better than the Harrell we saw at the end of the season no question better fit fit for what they need better fit better fit better guy yeah better guy that you could put on the floor at the end of games important situations no question I don't know that he's a better player, but but you know well, it the depends Herald, on what again, you need. Yeah, and the Herald that we saw in the playoffs was a was a lesser version of the Herald that we'd seen all season. But yeah, it doesn't really work with Kawhi. Doesn't really work with Paul George. I totally agree with you on that. But I don't want to quite overestimate Ibaka. I mean, he's he's a solid player who can hit some outside shots and defend the rim. Those are all things they needed, no question. And he and Zubac as a tag team is really nice. I, I really like that. But I don't want to go too high on Ibaka. I think Harold. We just we, we saw the worst of Harold, and we saw Doc just keep trying to play him, keep trying to play him, and it just didn't That's work. The other change this yeah. off season. Doc's gone. Yeah. Ty Lue's yeah. there. That might be Although, as, as, as Doc says. Hey, Ty was sitting right next to me for all these things that you blame me for. Right? Yeah, that he was, was funny, right? There. right? Was I hope good. it's different. Right? It might be yeah. the same. <laughs> you think these decisions were just me? You don't think Ty Lue was making some of these decisions? It's hilarious. The other thing, as rotten as that that Clipper situa- situation clearly was. Was as, as uh, declined as Montrez Harrell looked. They were still up 3-1 on the Nuggets and up like 20 in each game to close it out and just kept blowing it. Like they should have been in the West Finals against the Lakers. And if they were, I would say we probably would have been in a 50-50 split. Like Vegas probably would have been like pick them in that West Final. So like they were right there. They just, the chemistry and all that weirdness eventually sunk them. But I think some of that might be gone. That's why I'm high on them. One of the reasons I'm down on them always remains too much Lou Williams. Too much. Like, how many You're gonna times... You're going to get less I, Lou Williams this year. Yeah, yeah, I, Kennard, I would think baby, so. Yeah, Learn yeah. the name. It's just, I, I agree with you on Lou Kennard. Yeah, it's just like, how many times have you have you seen over the years a team just stops playing offense, hands the ball to Lou, and you go do something? 
and he puts up a wild shot mostly times doesn't go in and it's a dunk on the other side because the offense is totally out of balance positionally i just think it's a bad way to finish games especially in the playoffs i am in the extreme minority on this because i know the world loves lou williams he's a great guy they cannot have their offense come down to Lou go get a sh- five shots at the end of the game in playoffs. They cannot do it, and that's what we I don't saw. Know in that, if that anybody's series. disagreeing with that after watching the play, <laughs> watching <laughs> it melt down. I've the seen playoff. it happen. Like, the, Lou, the Lou Williams pick and roll is just not. No, uh, no it's not no. it. Not having an elite guard again. I mean, Kawhi it was Lou Williams. Yeah, it was Lou Williams. Yeah, that's the yeah. Problem. But not having an elite, just you know, Kyle. And the other Lowry option was Reggie with... Jackson. TK's other guy. Yeah, two guys. Who is two back. guys. He's back. Hey, hey, Reggie Jackson did, did win one major playoff game. I mean, that he had that great game. And six cried on the Memphis. floor. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. We got to discuss, do you know, the, the quick fix that is apparently available to the Warriors. You guys are talking six seed, seven seed, even 11 seed. There's a move out there that could get them to the three seed. Right, right. Reportedly, James Hart has indicated that he is open to a trade to Philadelphia or other contenders. He's open to a lot of include, things. Doesn't that include the Dubs? <laughs> are, are, who, who's on board for Harden to the Warriors if it's not sacrificing Wiseman? I would be on board just to see the video of Steve trying to coach him. <laughs> like their introductory first time. I'll said, be yeah. just for that. Just <laughs> yeah, give yeah. me that. Yeah, no, 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 James, you have to move without the ball. Like you have to run over there when Steph has it here. Uh, I, I think that would be very amusing. Hey, listen, we, we know the Warriors are going to, Joe Lacob and Kirk Lacob are going to perk up their ears at any big name, and I don't dispute the value in being in the deal flow, as they call it. But I can't see two people playing with on the Warriors with James Harden. Steve Kerr coaching them and Steph Curry playing with them. I cannot see those two things happening. So unless you're getting rid of those two, and judging by what Marcus wrote yesterday, I don't think they're getting rid of one of them. I cannot see how that would fit. And I don't think Harden would would Harden want any part of that. I guess it would be if they if, if they got rid of everybody and just made it the Rockets all over again. Well, in a funny way, it would be more tempting if he was acting different right now. He does not right now with the way he's conducting himself, James Harden look like, uh, hey, I want to take a step back and move the ball and not be the guy and not get everything I want all the time. Those are not the vibes he's giving off right now. What he's oh, giving off saying, right you're now. You're saying the club in Vegas don't necessarily mean uh, <laughs> unselfishness, right? Oh, come on you're now. Saying, I don't know. I, I'm saying he gave a $200,000 gift to a little baby. That's him saying I'm ready to give up the ball. I'm generous. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm very generous. I'm unselfish, uh, buddy. I mean, it's crazy. I, I, I mean, this is a whole aside because we're looking at it from a warrior's angle, but... But at a certain point, he's not disrespecting Tillman Fertitta. Drink. Uh, 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 it's, is he disrespecting, disrespecting Sam Presti? He's disrespecting. <laughs> he's disrespecting Adam Silver. I mean, this is not happening. James Harden became a star, I think, at the very end of Stir, Stern's regime. But this would not happen under. That's David another Stern. one for Ethan Drink Stern. Yep. You'd fear a fifty-game suspension off of this, and it's amazing. Fifty-game. Yeah. Listen, I'll just say I think a lot of people are kind of. I shouldn't say the word using. I will not say using. I said it, but I'm going to move off it. 
the pandemic blurs a lot of lines. It just does. It's like, what's the protocol? Maybe, you know, maybe he feels he doesn't want to come in yet for certain reasons. I We don't know. So I think he can still say some of that. And if he shows up for one practice or shows up for an exhibition game, he's going to say, listen, I had some issues. And we all can suspect otherwise. But this is the way this goes in this blurry world where we just don't know. We, we don't know these things about how people are feeling or reacting to the pandemic or want to react to the pandemic until they're supposed to play a game. And so I think this will come down to, this might come down to December 22nd or if that's when they're playing their first game. He's the guy who's taking it too far. No question. No question. I mean, he and he's the guy who would. It would be better if he was somewhere working out. Like, show me the social media videos <laughs> yes. of him grinding. Like, the dude is yeah. in the club. Like, this is insane. <laughs> he's grinding like, in yo, the club. Want, he's grinding. I, he, but he's, he's saying like, yo, I want out. Brooklyn, come save me. Philly, come save me. Come get me out the club. Like, why, why are they incentivized? In a pandemic? This is what he's doing. This is what he's doing. Post the videos working out. That's what you he, want to see. He's killing his trade value because now the team he goes to won't have to give up so much to get him. It's the uh, the. That's, that's what I'm saying. He's working against himself. Well, yeah. Well, he's working against because he's making it harder to trade him. You know the gif of uh, Steve Kerr and Chris Paul where they're like laughing, fake laughing, and then they both turn and like Chris Paul's like, I wasn't even laughing at that. That's how I would view the this, uh, Steve Kerr, like Harden coaching situation. As far as like Warriors trading for him, again, we were asked this on last podcast we did and I made this same point. I just wouldn't mortgage any of the future for Harden because of all the things that you guys have mentioned, the fit problem and, and where his career seems to be going. The other thing we haven't mentioned. And he's 31. Yeah, he's <laughs> getting worse. Like he was getting worse in the playoffs. Uh, and then like the only way I would entertain the conversation, and this is uh, going to scare Warriors fans, if they were just saying Clay Thompson for like James Harden, like contract swap, like Harden's a better contract at this point. Yeah, that's what I mean. I think Hollinger said on my podcast last week, like the Warriors pick, the, the Minnesota pick and Wiseman. And it's like, and Clay. Like, I get it. I understand the value there. It's not with the Warriors. It's just not with the Warriors. And I don't think Harden would think that either. It would make things interesting. It would be potentially more competitive. But Ethan and I talk about this, and Ethan's got me transfixed by this Minnesota pick now. It's like, I'm watching every <laughs> single guy that they, and they're all named Jalen, I just realized. I'm, I was trying to, con- it's like, why am I confused? Bumper crop. Why am I confused Bumper about that? Like, like, I can't really tell their names different. I was wondering why. They're all named, three of the top six guys are named Jalen. So that's my excuse. But every time I look at him, and Evan Mobley, that's the one who's not named Jalen. But they're all freaking good. Oh, my God. And they all play for a college team that wears blue. And it's like, <laughs> wait, Duke, Kentucky. Yeah, wait, Gonzaga, Gonzaga sort of. But, yeah, they're just like, they're all really good. And Cade, that's the other one. Oh, every yeah. Single, I've I been watched, watching those games. I told Ethan, I've watched like five of these guys, and every single one of them I would have taken number one. Every single one of them I would take would take a number one this season. They're smart basketball players too. That's the thing. I'll write about it a little bit, but you know, that's the thing I didn't know because you hear about these guys coming in this draft and you think, oh, these scouts are excited because these dudes are super athletic and they uh, project onto that. And, you know, you don't really, but then you watch them and, you know, whether it's, uh, whether it's Evan Mobley or uh, a range of the wings and it's not just Cade Cunningham who knows how to play and knows how to pass. Uh, there are quite a few of these guys. Dude, I love Zaire. Like <laughs> that dude is growing on me like crazy. He's big. That guy's big and Jalen Johnson right that's the Duke guy he's big and they're all under control they're not this you know just dive at the basket and forget about who's in front of them every single one of them I've liked and I haven't seen Jalen Suggs that much from Gonzaga who's supposed to be the best right 
I mean, he, he was looking like Derrick Rose. Oh, man, it he looked was... like he tore his Achilles on uh, one of the games. And then he came back <laughs> he in. I was out. like, what is Yeah, he came on? back in. I was like, he was like limping around. I was like, what are they doing? He was, he was crying on the sideline, it looked like. And then next thing you know, he's back in the game. I was like, oh, no, did he tear his Achilles? It felt a little KD-like when they had him on the court. I was like, don't cut too hard. I mean, maybe they get to that range of GMs believe so much in this draft that maybe you flip it. But yeah, to what DK was saying, with where James Harden is, I mean, he's the greatest player nobody wants to play with if you believe the all-star game drafting by the uh, by the respective superstars. And he just doesn't seem to be a complimentary piece for anybody. It seems like he wants to play for a contender, but he's only appealing to teams that want to raise their floor and become competent and make the playoffs. And he's not conducting himself right now in such a way that teams that want contention think that he's going to fit in as opposed to fit out, as LeBron James once said. So here we are. If the choice is between, let's say, just give up everything for Harden and you're maybe you turn into a four seed. I don't think any of us would think they'd be a top three. Maybe, you know, I doubt it. Or and so you're top three, top four lose in the second round, third round, whatever, like Harden always does, I would point out. Or finish 11th in the Western Conference, like Hollinger says, without making that trade. Hey, you have that Minnesota pick, and you're drafting eighth. If I'm the Warriors, I take that every single Now, you, you lose a season. All that's not every good. Every single but, time. But, man, you draft eighth in this in this draft, and you have the Minnesota pick, too, by the way. And the Minnesota pick, it might even, yeah. yeah you're mortgaging yeah, I mean, the next God. decade for two years. For a guy that you've proven can't do it. Like, you've literally proven it. And you could have... Wiseman, your pick who could be one of those guys. Minnesota's pick could be one of those guys. There is your future. So there is no way I would do that. You know, obviously, yes, there's a world Wiseman becomes an all-star center. There's a world you get the eighth pick and, and get a stud wing. There's also a world where those two assets are flipped into Bradley Beal, Ben Simmons, somebody who makes sense on a longer timeline than James Wiseman and is a fit. Yeah, better basketball fit slightly. It's a good exercise. I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad. Like, there's guys like Hollinger can make us think about that. But yeah, I think we just thought through it. I could make some of the the argument for it. You could say, look, Steph's value is so much off the ball. Imagine if he was working off the ball and Harden was the guy dribble penetrating. I mean, that means he'd never get the ball. (laughs) (laughs) He'd be he'd be in the corner going, okay, I guess James is gonna go to the free throw line. I just want to see that. I want to see Steph working to come off all these screens, and he's hustling. Then he finally gets open on a re on a relocation, some back pick, whatever, and he's free for that split second. But Hart is in his seventeen dribbles move, right, selling for the step back thirty footer. I can't wait for the Zoom call where it's you know synergy says Steph that you're just moving around in the first quarter a lot, and then by the third quarter, not at all. Is that a conditioning thing or? I just want to see the response to that question if he's playing with if he's playing with James. Over Harden. under on a number of clipboards survive. No, yeah, that would be, <laughs> be, be the first week it would be multiple. But fan, but fans would talk themselves into it. If it happened, Warriors fans oh, I do man. think would be excited yeah, for a while. I wonder if, if fans were in the stadium. Like if, if, if fans were in a stadium, would Joe think of it like more? What would oh, be yeah. more of a consideration? Yeah, he's not doing. They're not doing. They're not doing it. Because they they'd sell right. out Chase. They'd be. But, they, but again, like I said, they both. They're, yeah, they're always they're sold out. out Chase yeah, anyway, yeah, yeah. Right? But yeah, they'd be the marketing. You'd have to watch every single game. But you know, Durant was a shaky, like at, at times, proposition for chemistry and for how this balanced out. And and and, and Kevin plays the, exactly the right way. Kevin is a wonderful thinking player and doesn't want to touch it all the time. He wants to touch it sometimes, but not all the time. The Harden thing at this point in time would just be 
it would be hilarious. It really. What would, would be their just nickname to be to replace time. replace the Splash Brothers? I mean, I'm sure Joe <laughs> would want the marketing team hard to work on that. I mean, making the, the over hundred million combined. Where would combined. this recruiting happen? That they went to the half this for the club. The club. Come on. They, they went to half this for KD. <laughs> James Harden would have them in Magic City. The club. We'd be in the club. The Magic City Five. That would be, uh, <laughs> um, so yesterday, Steph talked about um, on Monday. Steph talked about playing till forty and perhaps even working out an extension that's beneficial to the team instead of taking somebody wrote max. an article about that yeah, somebody, yeah, yeah. somebody was asking him somebody, somebody was did. asking about it yeah i think it's interesting that there is wiggle room you you just see lebron takes it to your boom harden turns down the you know the, the, the extension you just normally see this being very decisive and i you know and marcus and i have talked about this for several weeks it's like w- what's happening here with everyone else it just seems to be a pretty clear-cut decision and with steph it's, we'll see, you know, and I, you know, and as Steph said in, in, in your column on the Zoom call, is that he wants to see. You know, I think both sides. Maybe it's better if he does something else down the road. Maybe it's better if he waits. You know, normally you don't see that, but that's why again, Steph is a different kind of NBA superstar. It's like he wants to kind of let it breathe and see where the best shot to be at. Now this goes another year, and he doesn't sign. And he's now a year away from free agency. This becomes a red light situation. It is not right now. Probably and won't. Giannis signs the supermax. Yeah, he signs set in Milwaukee. Yeah, yeah. I can see well, Bucks we'll fans see. like, hey. Yeah. Although I don't see Steph ended up in Milwaukee, but yeah, it, it, it I just, think Aisha we'll, Curry might uh, have a problem. Yeah, with that. yeah, that might not be the way to go. But I do think that it, it is just indicative. Remember, like his super, his math. He was a free agent after what seventeen. A free agent. Free he, agent. He could have yeah, signed yeah. with anybody, and there was zero drama to that. Like nobody even like. I'm sure teams like checked in with him, but we didn't hear about. Hey, you know what? Mark Cuban's gonna make this huge pitch. Oh, the Knicks. There was none of that, and there is with every other superstar. Like there is right now with Giannis. So it's just another example of Steph being the no drama guy. Until there's drama, we'll see. But at this moment, no reason for drama. He he's just one of those guys who doesn't need to have this instant fix. This instant like I need to be rewarded now. He wasn't like that when he got the four for forty four. You know, he said like I my father told me don't be looking at another man's pocketbook. Like just don't look at that stuff. It, it's you get what you get. You get it in this time. And I think this is just another indication of how different he is than every other NBA superstar that we've dealt with. Slater, you like the idea of Steph playing till 40? We've often talked about how because he can shoot, like his game will last. I mean, he said before, like, you know, 37, that's probably it. You know, Riley will be in high school and he's ready to go be a dad. And, you know, the contract that he could get would probably extend that one more year maybe to 38 but he's he sounds like he's like he's ready he's like he's trying to go to 40 and if he's feeling good at 40 he's gonna keep going it probably means he's feeling good now right in this moment because you, you know when you talk to guys who've retired it's it's kind of a when you know you know moment maybe at 37 he's like oh i cannot do another year didn't david west had a comment somewhere the other day where he was talking about like i couldn't post up josh hart and i was like mm, goodbye league but I do think it's encouraging that, like you said, Steph is entertaining this idea of 40 because it probably means he's like, man, I feel good. I must have a good season this year. He keeps himself in such good condition. Like, he is the best conditioned athlete on their current team. He will be a contributing, as long as he stays healthy, he would be a contributing rotation player into his 40s. What will be interesting is, like, as he ages out of, like, singular offensive focus and maybe he even ages out of being an all-star, like – 
I keep comparing it to Steve Nash because Steve Nash had the, the MVPs into his early 30s, and then he was an all-star. I think he was the last an all-star at like 36, 37. But again, when we talk about when guys decide to retire, it was suddenly done for Steve Nash because he started having nerve stuff, and he he's just like, it's, it's, it's awful for, he would say it was awful for him to even get his body to a point of being able to play on an NBA court. It took so much rehab work because he got to that age. That might be a cope for Steve Nash. I kind of felt like he was just cooked as Do far as... Do you remember just... how some of the health stuff he went through when he went to the Lakers, though? Like, he, he had nerve damage he wasn't able to play anymore. He would get trapped on pick and roll and he couldn't get out of it uh, is what I remember. And, and then you combine it with targeted on defense. And I think to what you're saying, that is true that a lot of guys that get older and it becomes about everything you have to do to get back on the court, that just becomes too much. I think the thing that Steph has, which is a little bit interesting is the off ball thing. And that's why it's hard to compare. And I guess if you're, if you're optimistic about it, you would look at Reggie Miller, who, do we even know if Reggie Miller was washed when he when he left the league, or did he just decide to leave for whatever reason? Because it, it felt like he was productive for longer than just about any all-star of that era. Yeah, I mean, it also becomes like, can you handle being a limited player, right? Can You're, you're used to being the best player, then you become one of the best players, and then are you okay being the 100th best player? It's or, what or Carmelo like, Anthony has yeah, pretty exactly. publicly gone through the last four years. And, and, and I would have expected that he would really have the toughest time. Like, here's somebody who was just, give me the ball on this bucket, and he's adapted to it, uh, taking the low number salary. In Oklahoma City, it was a disaster. Are you, me come off the bench? Remember when he's like, they're yep. telling me nope. i got to come yeah, off the nope. bench? Nope. Yeah, I was like, yeah. nope. And then now he's he's going to come off the bench in Portland this year. You know who probably is the flip side of that? Allen Iverson. Once Allen Iverson couldn't be Allen Iverson anymore, he just didn't want to be a bench player. Meanwhile, Vince Carter, great example of the other way. Like, the guy just reformed himself into like a great bench player and by the way what's one of steph's heroes vince carter maybe you know maybe his favorite player uh, that he's ever seen we'll see i mean you know kyle corvers is he 40 you know like he you know again i don't think steph wants to be kyle Cor- you know wants to be kyle corver but he could be i mean you know this guy is somebody who could do that role if the warriors get a guy who uh, uh, you know a distributor a big distributor who can guard people uh, like we always said with Monte, over and over, there's hunting for this big distributor who can guard people. Then you can have the smaller Kelly two Uber. guard. Yeah, you can have that guy. James and... Harden's a big distributor. Yeah, oh, <laughs> yeah there you go. It's all about James Harden. You're right. Who can guard guys? Yeah, right? yeah, 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 you can guard. You can... Well, he uh, can. He just elects not to. <laughs> wow. Oh, you talking MC. about all the court? Wow. I thought wow. You, I yeah, thought you wow, wow, wow. But. I mean, I think people have mentioned this over the years. If they got somebody like that, it could really add some years to Steph's career. If, if your Steph's just a two guard and he doesn't have to guard the great point guard anyway, and he could just be that floating around the perimeter and make a play or two, and then just if somebody sucks the defense in, boom, it's an automatic three. He'd be pretty good at that, I think, for a long time. I don't think you want him to be your point guard when he's 38 years old. Like, full-time, go guard people. Uh, that would be a tough thing, but that's still a long ways away. I agree that who they have around him informs the trajectory, but maybe I'm too optimistic. I think that Steph's arc might surprise people in terms of how productive he can be just based on that off-ball shooting. How I think, did J.J. Redick have his best season last season? Am I right about good. that? It was pretty good. It was pretty good. I mean, yeah. these off-ball guys, the, the, the ability to shoot, they might be... Be like uh, quarterbacks in the NFL, some of these pocket quarterbacks who have lingered around a little longer than one might think. He might be that guy. And yeah, you don't want him anchoring the offense completely at age 38. Do you guys think he is okay 
with deep into his 30s, maybe even a 40, being J.J. Reddick? Or do you think the allure of business... I mean, Steve Kerr is trying to do it to him every year yeah. already. Oh. I mean... <laughs> My goodness, wow. Uh, wow. but wow. but you know what? Like like he becomes the fourth best player on a team. Do you guys think he's okay with that, or do you think by the time I think he gets- if there's any superstar that is okay with it, it's Steph. Like if there's anybody who can find the vibe of it, it's Steph. He can go ahead and shift his mind and put, be in full Davidson mode. Like it's all about the team. Rah, rah, rah. Like that's his his epicenter. I, I think I don't think he'll have a problem with it. Especially if he if he's on a good team and they're winning and productive, I mean we always seen him do is is give up like the crown in a sense, you know. So I think he's built that way. I think there's a part of stuff that will always like love SoCon right Davidson and just being part of a team and like I think that's that's his core. Especially if I think this is important if Cannon can watch him play, I think that'll be a big deal. Like as as he gets older, it's like if Cannon ends up one you know interested in basketball and his son gets to carry on that that tradition of being at the games with his father, you know I think I think he might stick around for that. I think Steph has has a role model in that, right? He has somebody that he remembers watching as, as as a kid, and and that's the other thing is Dell played sixteen seasons as Steph always says, and Steph is clearly a better player than than Dell. Not as big, but it's part of it, but. Like clearly better, so why shouldn't he play eighteen? Right? I mean, if Dell can make it through sixteen with a great one, great facet, and maybe not so other some others, and Steph's probably got three great facets, maybe four. He should be probably, and I think he's in. It's like he would love to have that relationship with his sons, who like like he watched his dad play, and his son get to shoot around, you know, at at Chase Center. That's a great point, Marcus. You should have written about that. That should be in the freaking in the column. It's a great point. The one thing he has that guys like Reddick and Corver, whoever, or even Dell at the time, don't have is he has like an international brand slash like life and business waiting for him. At any point he decides to retire, he can do anything he wants and make Political any amount of money. Office, yes, you know, all that. whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Kyle Corver, what's Kyle Corver retiring into? Being Kyle Corver. Like, you know, I don't right, know. he's going to be president of the United States. Ouch. About. Yeah. Wow, Jeez, wow. Ripping why Corver Kyle like Corver that? catch his trays? <laughs> yeah. Another off-ball guy. Well, I will say, though, there, there, there's a lot of golf courses out there that Steph Curry might want to play. I, I, I would put that in there, too. Although judging by what I saw on TV, maybe he shouldn't. He should play. He should play a little more. Uh, I, I think he's uh, going to play those. By the way, you were Tim, 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 because you are the resident golf expert. Marcus and I were on a podcast with Zach Harper, and Harper was just saying because Harper, I don't think has much respect for golf. Yeah, but Steph could be like a golf pro. He could be no, a pro. No, he could be no, a top. You know, we were no, just no. no <laughs> what is your assessment no, on that? Not, I mean, I don't think even Steph would really, really say that in his heart of hearts. It takes. It's not just physical skills and. You know, it's so much more. It's so much more. So, like, if he had started when he was 11, yes. Like, it's all he thought about was being a golf pro, but he can't do it right now. No chance. None. I mean, you saw the shots uh, on the, if you watched it all. I mean, it's not close to what Mickelson can do. Not even close. It's like, and Mickelson is a fading tour player. It's not close. Uh, no chance. I have some enjoyable news for you guys. Uh oh. 
Anthony Slaker needs to go uh, do, a, <laughs> do a Slaker, Slaker podcast. <laughs> Slaker. I need to go do a Slaker podcast. The, the infamous that's Slaker. Right. We yeah, forgot about that. Yeah, Slaker time. Out. Slaker time. Go on there shout and defend putting, Slaker. putting your, your Slakers on a tier of the Clippers. These are the go things that entertain me, Ethan, and Marcus. The Anthony Slaker talk. <laughs> Whoever tweeted that knows who he is. It's Slaker <laughs> Whoever time. Whoever you are who called him, who said, get Anthony Slaker off worthless minus. <laughs> we Thank were dying. We, we were dying. Thank you we for dying. that. We, we absolutely, you have coined his the nickname for the rest of his career, Anthony Slaker. Slaker. That's a great, uh, great way to to dip. Uh, see you next week. We'll talk more. We should have. Should we have some Wiseman, Draymond? No, maybe not. Maybe not. Still maybe not. We'll, we'll have more 2021 draft infos. So we'll we have. will probably have information on when they will return to practice by then. We'll have lots more Michael Mulder talk. All right, we are out of here. Ah!